Hello, and welcome back. Last week, we talked about the struggle to find fashionable items to wear while supporting something that follows your personal ethics and morals. We discussed what to look for when selecting clothes and accessories and how to support the companies that are doing the right thing for the environment and for our future generations. We even announced our exclusive 2021 Love the Green Life Earth Day t-shirt design that will be available April 1st. If you want to see the t-shirt design and order it, you can head over to our website. It's only available on our website, lovethegreenlife.org. Today, we'll be sharing our best green-focused children's literature. As teachers, mothers, and readers, we know a thing or two about the importance of quality environmental education. We also know that going green starts at home. As our green team grows to include the youngins in our household, we thought it would be helpful for you to have a few books on hand. Let these texts be a springboard for your family discussions, bring small changes that grow your green hearts, and we hope that they become treasured additions to your home library. All right, green team, let's get started. Hi, I'm Jess Taylor. And I'm Natalie Ringeis. And we love the green life. Welcome to our podcast. We are both teachers, mamas, nature lovers, and passionate about changing the world we live in and helping to save the planet by inspiring others. Join us as we discuss practical ways to live a more sustainable, healthy, and green life for you, your family, and even your fur babies. Love the Green Life is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that promotes cruelty-free, chemical-free, and compassionate living. You can learn more about us and what we do at lovethegreenlife.org and on Facebook and Instagram at lovethegreenlife.org. Today, I'm going to be sharing my top 10 children's texts that are repeat readers in my classroom, ones that I've read multiple times or books that I have in my home for my family. Jess, how did you select your books? Like where did your inspiration come from with your book list? These are all books that we have for my son currently. So either books that I purchased specifically for him, books that he was given to, or one book is one that I've had since I was a little kid. It's a really old book. So I'm really excited to share that one with everybody. Sweet. And our lists are available in the show notes at lovethegreenlife.org slash podcast. So you can find our full top 10 list. So the first book that I want to talk about is called Be Nice to Spiders. And it's by Margaret Graham. And it is a really old book. It's actually from 1967. And this was my mom's copy. And then somehow I ended up with two. I have two copies of it. And as a kid, this is really funny. I used to love it because then I pretended I was a teacher and I had like multiple of them, like for my class. Oh, you had like a class set. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, how that's why I pretended. I think we got one from like a library's book sale. And so somehow I ended up with two copies of it. But anyways, it was funny. But I always loved this book. And it's one that I really like reading with my son. We live in the woods, as I've talked about before. So we get a lot of insects in our house, specifically spiders. And he always loves the spiders. He's not scared of them. He always is talking about how cute they are. And can I pet you? (laughs) 
I just like this book because I feel like it reinforces not being scared of insects, which is something I see like even at the dance studio, the girls freak out over a spider. And then when I pick it up and open the door and put it out, they are freaking out over that. Why didn't you just kill it? And Mm -hmm. I feel like people just learn to be scared of insects. And I feel like I don't want my son to learn that and he can be kind to insects. So I really like this book. It's called Be Nice to Spiders. It's about a little boy who has a spider named Helen and he's moving to an apartment and he can't keep her because his apartment doesn't allow pets. So he drops her off in a little matchbox at the local zoo and the zookeeper finds her. She comes into the zoo. She starts spinning webs in all of the animal buildings. They notice that the zoo is so clean. It's never looked cleaner because the spider is keeping all the insects off the animals. The animals look great. The zoo is nice and clean. There aren't flies everywhere and they can't figure it out. So the mayor is coming to visit and the zookeeper says, we got to clean up all these spider webs. They clean up all the spider webs. She hides in a little crack. All of a sudden, now all the flies are back. The animals are bad. The guests oh, are annoyed. Interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. The guests are annoyed because there's flies all over them. And they're like, why is this like this? So then they discover it's the spider web. So then it ends with them being so happy. And they even say the quote, yeah, we definitely should have been nice to the spider. It shows really in like a fun, cute little story narrative how spiders actually are helpful to the environment. I love that it speaks to the effects of one small change to the environment that really speaks to the interconnectivity of a biome with a spider in a really cute way. That's darling. Yeah, it's really cute. It's kind of a little bit of a longer book. It's definitely still for small children, but I didn't get to read it to my son till recently because he couldn't really handle books that were longer than little board books. And so finally he is now to the point where he loves reading. So we're able to read him books that are a little bit longer. And so once I got to read it to him the first time, then he wanted me to keep reading it to him. He really liked it. I have a book. It's by an Argentinian author. I'm hoping I pronounce his name correctly. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Jorge Elias Lujan. And the book is called Stephen and the Beetle. And it's a very simple book. I actually read it to my daughter's kindergarten class for like a mystery reader thing because it's really simple. The boy finds a beetle crawling on the ground. He picks up his shoe. He goes to smash it as children often do. And something stops him and he starts to wonder, well, wait, where's this beetle going? Is he going in my backyard? Is he going over to the tree? Well, what's he thinking? He starts basically empathizing with the beetle Mm -hmm. and he realizes that, man, he's got horns and his body looks like armor. He looks like he's from the Jurassic age. He looks like a dinosaur. So basically it teaches kids through a really cute small narrative about looking at animals and insects closely, observing your environment, being empathetic toward them. It's a very simple story about Stephen finding a beetle and not smashing it with his shoe. <laughs> that book is actually on my Amazon wish list for my son. Like anytime I Aww. find things that I want to get him, I add to it. Cause I remember you told me about that several weeks ago. I think he would love it because he does ask questions all the time. I mean, he's just in the question phase. So he'll ask questions all the time about insects and everything. Well, what are they doing? Where are they going? Where do they live? How do they get in? You know, all of that. Mm -hmm. I think he would really enjoy that book too. 
one little board book that we have that we got for my son when he was little is called Botany for Babies. And it's a Baby 101 <laughs> series. And it's the science one. So they must have like a whole bunch of them. Oh, yeah, they do here on the back. It shows anatomy for babies, architecture for babies, zoology for babies. It's cute. We actually just found it at Marshall. So it wasn't like it was with a whole set. I thought it was really cool because it gives a very basic understanding of how things grow. And it's a board book. It's really colorful. It has flaps that open and like the one page shows how tall everything is. And you have to turn the book to the side so that way you can see how tall everything is. This was something that as my son started to question how things grew, he could really look at this on a easier scale. And we have another book that we both actually have. It's called It All Starts With a Seed. And this is about how food grows. It's an usborn book. And it's pretty intense because it's really like scientific. So I feel like this book is kind of like the junior version of that book. Oh, Each cute. Yeah, it is a condensed version because it all starts with a seed is very, you know, you said you have it too. It's very mm -hmm. like sciencey. My son just the other day, though, got it out and was really interested in it. He's into gardening because of things they're doing at his school. He's doing the gardening camp this summer. So he is into it. It's just a lot of words and it's a lot of science stuff. He just kind of wanted to ask, well, what's this? And I was like, that's how a cranberry grows. Well, what's this? That's how oranges grow. So we just kind of looked at it more than that's understanding it. I like the idea of having books that can grow with you or books that you can read multiple ways as your kids grow and change. The set of board books that I have to recommend, there's a series, it's called Little Naturalists. And a lot of them are by the same author. Her name is Kate Combs. But this series has excellent books about very prominent naturalist figures such as John Muir and Henry David Thoreau. They also have a national parks board book about the national oh. parks, like a wildlife primer. I got the John Muir one and then ended up getting other books in this same little naturalist series, um, but they are board books. So you can read them very simply to maybe, mm -hmm. you know, five, six year old or something like that. But I actually got the board book for my third and fourth graders. Cause I was like, look how cute this is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a little biography. So the little natural series by Kate Combs, like I said, there's other ones that are by other authors, but they have the same thematic artwork. So if they, I think they'd also look very, very pretty in your library, <laughs> just because they really take care with the spine art and the text and the font that they use. It's really engaging for kids to look at as well. That reminds me of, there's a little series that we got for my son that is all the famous artists. Hmm. I don't know. Have you seen those? They're little board books and they use all their artwork and then they write a story that goes with the artwork. So each page is one of their famous artwork. Oh, so like cute. we have a Monet one, we have Sue art, there's Van Gogh. And so they're learning the artists and all their famous paintings, but it tells a story. It's really cute. Oh, That's what that kind those. of reminds me of. One thing I really like about board books in general is I feel like they're perfect when they're little because they can't rip them. They're short so you can read to them. They're colorful. But then as they start to learn to read, those are perfect first readers for them because mm -hmm. like they can read a full book then, you know, because it's, it's small and they're comfortable with it because they've been reading it for years. I really like board books. I feel like they can last and kind of grow with you for a while. Mm -hmm. We have two other little board books that I love. Both of these we got when we went to Veg Fest in Cleveland a few years ago. The one is called Little Helpers. And this one is actually cool because it's made out 
out of 98% recycled materials. It uses soy ink to print on it. So of course, all of that stuff makes me all giddy. This is one I actually talked about a few weeks ago when we were talking about water, because I had said this line, it says, when I turn off the faucet while brushing my teeth, there's more water for the fish in the rivers. Each page gives you something. When I do this, this is what happens. I kind of like that. It's just like cause and effect. Cause and effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like this is when I plant new flowers in the garden, bees have more nectar to eat. When I put a feeder in the backyard, the birds have food to eat. When I pick up trash on the beach, a crab has clean sand to crawl on. Aww, so it's cute. That's perfect. And it's not long. It's just very simple. It's very basic. Like the back says ages three to six, but we've been reading it to him since I want to say he was maybe almost two I think it was like one and a half when we got it mm -hmm. that's a fun book and then we got another one when we went there called don't throw that away and this is a lift the flap type of book and it's all about recycling and reusing that one's fun too he actually pulled that out for us to read today because he's into recycling because they're working on recycling at preschool right now too and this is by little green books which is a whole company that makes books about the environment for kids I have a bunch of those they're not on my list. I have a full series of them from my classroom. Oh, that's awesome. Have you seen this one before then? Mm -hmm. I have that one and I have the journey of a plastic bottle. Oh, cool. Yeah. They also have gardening ones too. It shows on the back. They have my first garden, which that might be a fun one for me to get mm -hmm. as this summer, my son is getting way into gardening, which is very exciting to me. So that's a fun little series as well. Well, since we're kind of going to move up from board books, I guess we're looking at little readers. I have a book by Frank Ash. He's like an award-winning author and illustrator, Frank Ash. Moon Bears Skyfire. Basically, this little bear, he sees his first rainbow. He thinks the sky's on fire. He gets a like a pail of water. He tries to like, you know, douse the rainbow. And so basically the, the premise of the story is very cute and very whimsical. The goal is that nature isn't always what it seems. Again, you know, start asking questions about what's happening. How did the rainbow get there? that you might see nature one way, but as you learn about it and as science and education can teach you, you can really learn about how the world works. So it's a good, sweet story to read before bed that you're not going to sit there and like have this in-depth discussion about the planet's resources, you know, with your six-year-old. It's just a nice, sweet story that has a very good heart to it. I think that's one really great way to connect with kids working on saving the environment and saving the planet is a very heavy subject that kids mm -hmm. don't understand. Being able to read them fictional book, but it really instill those values and morals into them. And they're learning without really knowing they're learning about it. Yeah. And I think it just makes it pretty approachable. And the kids always, like my kids, they get a kick out of it. They're like, <laughs> he thinks the sky's on fire. You know, so they get a little, <laughs> you know, jolt of like, I'm smarter than the bear. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's cute. So that's kind of Aww. fun too. All right. So you mentioned gardening and your son kind of getting into gardening. One of my favorite famous gardeners and I love teaching about him. His name is Dr. George Washington Carver. He's an African-American gardener from the early 1900s. The story is called In the Garden with Dr. Carver. It's by Susan Grisby. It's about this little girl. Her name's Sally. She lives in rural Alabama in the early 1900s. It's a time in America where people were really struggling to grow food in soil that had been depleted by years and years and years of cotton production. One day, a real gentleman, this is true history here. His name was Dr. George Washington Carver. He shows up. And 
and he helps the community, the grownups with their farms, and that he helps the children begin their first school garden. So he basically teaches how to restore the soil, how to respect the balance between nature. He even prepares them a lunch made of plants, including some chicken, like made out of peanuts. <laughs> and Sally never forgets the lesson that the wise man leaves in her heart and mind. It's a great story of an incredible African-American scientist who was very much ahead of his time. What age do you think this book is for? Um, depending on your child's interest, I always say that because anytime you put an age to a book, you know, it really depends on your child. If your child's super into gardening and soil, then they could enjoy this book at six years old if you're reading it to them, or I know some might be able to even read it at that time. I targeted this for like nine-year-olds just because we really went into who Dr. George Washington Carver was his methods, what he was actually doing to the soil and composting and regenerating the soil. So we went into the more, we went into some deeper topics from that book, but as a story, it would be a great read aloud for, I think eight, nine years old, seven, seven might like it too, but it might be a little long. It's a little bit long for a picture book. Gotcha. Any kind of books that have strong African-American men, we are trying to collect as my son is African-American. And so that's why I was curious if this was something that would be like a down the road book for him or something that like he be uh, interested in now I didn't know I like how long it was it's a picture book that. it's about I would say about 16 17 pages but there's heavy text but I also encourage you even though he might not read it yet I encourage you to have him see it have that visibility mm -hmm. because that's just as important for him to see characters that mm -hmm. look like him yep we have many books that do that any books also that I find that are like a multiracial family mm -hmm. like, yep need that book we yeah. even have one that's just a little Halloween book but it has you know a white mom and biracial kids. So I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Cause then he's like, look, that looks like you. And this looks like me. Awesome. I would love to get that one for him. That's definitely going on my Amazon wish list. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that is important to really highlight historic people to kids at a young age. So it really shows them that what we're dealing with is not only really a current issue, it's something that everyone's kind of dealt with and you can make a difference and change things. Mm -hmm. One book that I absolutely love, and I could not wait to get this for my son. I think we got for him for his second Christmas. It's called V is for Vegan, and it's the ABCs of Being Kind. And it oh, is so cute. I love it. So if you're not raising vegan children, this book would not be for you. But wait I a second here. Hold on. I'm interrupting this regularly scheduled vegan program <laughs> that I think it's important for my daughter and my son to know what veganism is and what it means. Well, I love that. Like I, I think, actually do. I because like wait a minute. <laughs> I would get that book for them just so they would know about it. Just because they're not vegan doesn't mean I don't want them to ever hear about it. Yeah. No, I love that actually because- <laughs> Alphabet book, isn't it, it? It is. Yes. It has a lot of other things that go with it. The very first one is A, which it says A is for animals, friends, not food. We don't need our friends. They'd find it quite rude. <laughs> B is for beauty. Enjoy it together. C is for clothing. Oh, no see? skins, fur, feathers. And it goes through stuff like that. <laughs> My son's favorite one is G is for grains go get in my belly <laughs> <laughs> and then it talks about things like then it shows rice quinoa corn millet wheat oats barley rye so he's learning the different grains it's really cute it's just, I it's, it's it. really pretty. Like K is for kitchen. Let's help cook and clean. Talks about like rescue animals from shelters, <gasps> not stores. Aww. 
tease to treat others as they should treat you. I want to borrow this from you. It's so good. It's my favorite. W is for the world. It glows blue and green. We only have one. So please keep it clean. It's cute. And then it talks about at the end, it says we've come to the end, but it's just the start. There are many more ways to have heart. Do your parts. And then what I really love is it says that this book is made with recycled paper. And for every 4,000 copies of this book printed, we have saved four trees, 12 pounds of waterborne waste, 1,700 gallons of wastewater flow, 195 pounds of solid waste, and 385 pounds of net green gases. So, oh, I love me some good green facts. I know, right? Nice. <laughs> I didn't even think about how you said it, but I think that is great. I feel like that's something that as my son grows, you know, to him, he knows he's a vegan. He'll say he's vegan. We've read this since he was one. Um, He's starting to now understand what it means. The other day he had out, we were pretending he was Pongo and Perdita from 101 Dalmatians. And he got out the bag of cat food and he's like, here's my snack. He goes, it has meat on it. Cause right on the picture is like a piece of salmon. And I said something like, oh, do you? you eat meat? He's like, well, a doggy does eat meat. He goes, but I don't eat meat. I said, but why don't you eat meat? He goes, because it's yucky. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that was all he said. I was like, okay. <laughs> but he's starting to understand that before he did it. You know, if you asked him, it's kind of the same thing when we say, are you adopted? He says, yes. If you ask him what that means, he says, God picked us to be a family. And so that's all he knows right now. That but that's, melts that's my the perfect heart. thing he knows. It's all he really needs to know right now. Same thing for him being a vegan. He understands that it's our choice to love animals and not eat them. And it's something that he's going to have to probably explain to people as he grows, but Mm -hmm. um, he's in an amazing time right now where it's definitely more accepted. You know, his preschool, I wish he could just be there forever. You know, his preschool teacher, she's Mm -hmm. amazing with him being this way. And if they have any kind of food thing, which right now because of COVID, they don't. So I'm kind of grateful for that. You know, letting me know in advance, like last year, they made yogurt parfaits for their little kindness party. So I just sent him in a coconut yogurt. Mm -hmm. He he still could have the same things that the kids were having. He just has a different version of it. And he was and the I, only one who ate his entire yoga perfect. He loved it. <laughs> well, I think, you know, my kids being friends with your son, yeah. I think it's important for him to understand him because if they understand him, then they can, you know, love him for who he is, you know? So I think, you know, my kids are not vegan. Our family is not vegan. We definitely love and appreciate and eat vegan food Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's just fun and delicious and wonderful. We definitely love plants and plant-based things, but I think it's important for my kids to, the more they understand his lifestyle, the more that they will appreciate it, Mm -hmm. you know? And then it won't be looked at as something that's hurtful. Like, oh no, that's, that's my friend. I love that you think that way because most people don't. <laughs> you know, and it's really just because of when I became a vegetarian in 2003, it was very unaccepted and still sometimes have a hard time even talking about it to people because I don't want people to make a big deal out of it. I hate when people are like, oh gosh, then I have no idea what to serve you and all this stuff. And they make this huge stressful thing. It stresses me out. And I think well, it's just because of the time that I, I've i lived time. so long of uh-huh. it being such an ordeal. And now like, now it's Back not though. Yeah, right. <laughs> but now it's not as much. And, you know, now is just so crazy how much has changed. It's in May, it'll be 18 years since I gave up meat. I was always asked why, why would you do that? Oh, this isn't going to last long. You won't be able to stand doing that, that kind of stuff. And now it is different if people find out and like that was just vegetarian. Now, if people find out we're vegan, 
our whole family's vegan is a different kind of reaction. Most of the time people are like, oh, that's so cool. Let me ask you a question about that. Yeah. And there is definitely a shift, but not everybody is like that. And mm -hmm. I still can be uncomfortable. And I'm, it breaks my heart that there was ever a moment in time because every, you know, ever since I met you, I've known that about you. But I think there's something to be said about literature in your home and books that you share with your kids that you have an underlying motivation for what you read to your kids or the literature that you give to your kids. If you have a deeper why as a parent, and I know our why really stems from our morals and values as a family. And I want my children to be loving and accepting, and I want them to be listeners. I don't want them to be naive to the differences of the world. I want them to understand them. They might not support them when they're older. They might not like them or prefer them or something like that, or things change and grow. But I think as a family, we want to demonstrate acceptance for not only just what people eat, but maybe, you know, the religions that they follow or the values that their family follows, because I think if they have a strong sense of family unity, that's going to come from our morals and values. And so no matter what they're faced with, they'll be stronger and they'll be grittier in those situations that might challenge their beliefs or values. So they'll be stronger kids in being able to hold their own if they have a little bit of knowledge in their back pocket. So to kind of follow up your V is for vegan, my ABC book is called Compost Stew. It's a recipe for the earth. It's by Mary McKenna Siddles. And I actually just read this to my daughter's Girl Scout troop two weeks ago. We did a little activity with soil and the Girl Scouts, they started off with a blank piece of paper with a big circle. And I said, this is your bowl of, of compost stew. What would you put in it? And almost all of them had just like a brown blob. We had a few token worms and a bug. And that was like, this is my compost. Well, by the end of the story the Girl Scouts, they had added so much into their bowls. It was hilarious. They had banana peels and eggshells and coffee grounds and leaves and grass clippings. And it was a really fun way to introduce your children to compost as if it's a recipe. And so they go through mixing different things and you put a dash of this and a little bit of shredded newspaper. And it's a really good way to introduce composting to your family. It's one of my daughter's favorite books. She's a big cook. She's huge into baking. She has three different aprons. <laughs> she did a kids cooking contest at a kids fest in downtown. So she's really into cooking. This was my way to kind of bridge that gap between her mother not being a baker mm -hmm. <laughs> whatsoever, but I'm the gardening one. So it's a fun book in our family. And I know Aww. any kids that I've introduced it to, the classes that I've introduced it to, they've, they've really loved it. I think it's really fun. My son is really into cooking too. Maybe they can get together and cook. Yeah, <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, make yeah. it start in a perfect world. It can just be like a compost stew. We can just set up the mud kitchen. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he'd like that. He has a mud kitchen at preschool and oh, he loves being in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My daughter too. She's all into like the potions and the stews where my son is more like I'm finding fossils. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not digging to make a pie. No, I am discovering bones. <laughs> like he's, he, he's his own, he's his own personality there when it comes to dirt. <laughs> I love the compost stew book. I haven't heard of it before. I just, from hearing you talk about, I think that's a cool way, even for somebody who doesn't know how to compost to yeah. kind of learn about it in a very simplified way. Totally. 
This is technically a board book, but it's only a board book because the pages are like a board book, but it's not like a little kid board book. It's called Bug Hotel. This is an Usborne book. It's a book of nature. It says a lift the flap book of discovery. So this one is, is one that definitely has a lot more reading, one that little ones would like to look at and lift the flaps, but it's going to be a little more intense for them. It goes through bees, butterflies, beetles, snails, spiders, ladybugs. And then at the end, it teaches you how to build your own bug hotel which my son really wants to do. Even though we have ones that we've already purchased, he still wants to build his own now after reading this. But mm -hmm. it's it's cute. It goes through all about bees. The hollows in bamboo canes are ideal place for bees, bumblebees, wasps to make their nests, lay eggs, escape bad weather. So it's very nonfiction. This is definitely something if your kids are interested in bugs, mm -hmm. how they work, how they pollinate, where they live, that kind of thing, how to yeah. help them. Um, I know you said you had a book kind of like this that was different though, right? I have one that's like inside a tree. So it talks about just like the animals and plants and fauna that are inside a tree that live in a tree. But I love this bug hotel book. My cousin, she taught a first and second multi-age class. And one of her project-based learning projects was creating a bug hotel. I'm not guaranteed. I don't know for sure if she used that book, but I guarantee probably I'm sure that book was a part of her little mm -hmm. library with her first and second graders. So, and creating a bug hotel is really fun. Like what a fun summer project. I'm yeah. sure we're going to be talking about that book again, because I, that's something I have not done with my kids, but I can really see them now that they're getting older, wanting to build and create mm -hmm. something like that to be a part of our yard. Yeah. I have not read this fully to my son because it is a lot of reading and it's a lot of very sciencey stuff that he can't really sit still for yet. Like we talked about with the, it all starts with a seed kind of just talking about the pictures. I pull out yeah. a few little facts here and there. He likes opening and closing the, the lids and he loves the last page where it talks about what to use to build your bug hotel and how to do it. That's his favorite. He actually received this book as a birthday gift which is so cute. I love so that. Cute. I love it. <laughs> All right. I'm adding that one to our list. Bug hotel. I know that I keep adding really the ones you talk about to my list. I feel like we just <laughs> both will own like all 20 of these total. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have two by the same author. They're both by Paul Fleischman. He is a poet. He's an author. One is a book of poetry. It's called Joyful Noise. This is going to be for your older kids. So middle school, I would say fourth grade. You, I, you could with a third grader, depending again on their interest in reading, but Joyful Noise is a poetry book and it has poems for two voices. And what's cool about that book is you can read them with your child or if you have siblings, they kind of, it's almost like a two-part play or a two-part performance, but they have really beautiful poems on fireflies, grasshoppers, cicadas, springtime, the stillness of the winter, like very strong nature topics. It's a good poetry book as well, because it's not just like a book of poems that you read to yourself. There's some interaction there. And as you become a later reader and you're starting to read more fluently, your inflection and your pronunciation and all those skills that you need to read aloud clearly comes into play. So having a way to practice reading things out loud at home is really helpful. The other book by Paul Fleischman is actually a narrative. It's a picture book. It's called Westlandia. This is again for older kids. Basically, this boy named Wesley, he creates his own civilization in his backyard. 
He oh. realizes that every civilization has a staple food crop. So he decides to sow his own garden and start his own full civilization in his backyard. As soon the plants, you know, tower above him and they start growing really curious looking fruit and he experiments. He finds that the plants that he grew in his garden can provide food, clothing, shelter, even recreation. And it isn't long before his neighbors join in the fun and they're all curious about Wesley's civilization, Westlandia, and exactly how he, he spends his summer vacation. Again, this is a lot like Moonbear's Skyfire, where on the surface, it's just a really funny, silly story about a kid creating his own civilization in his backyard. And it's very whimsical and imaginary. But again, there's that underlying moral of living with nature, using a plant that can provide a lot of things. This is a good book when you want to talk about bamboo or hemp. Mm. Those are two plants that are a lot like the plants that Wesley grows in which you can create a million materials from that one plant. So it's a great way to talk about, you know, specific plants that might grow in your area or just to talk about plants more deeply again with older children. And it's just really silly too. You know, a kid starting his own civilization in his backyard is really fun. One book that my son got for his birthday last year was called Sounds of Nature, World of Forests. And it goes through, pages are gorgeous too. This once again is a very like scientific book. So we do kind of not read this in its entirety yet, but it goes through different forests in the world, what animals live there. And then it talks to you about the animal. And then it gives you, this is why he really likes it. Each page has a press here button and it plays you sounds of the animals in that forest. I love it. So that's what he loves. So this is the evergreen forest in Germany. It shows the wild boar, the red fox, the badger, the red deer, the lynx. You press the button. Oh my gosh, my kids would eat that up. Did you hear the deer bath? <laughs> I love it because so many forest books are, I mean, let's face it. If you go into the library, if you're looking for forests, the books are going to be rainforest heavy, which is wonderful and great. We all love the rainforest, but to have a book on specific forests around the planet. Yay. Yes. Yeah. Here's the red forest in California, the rainforest, the Amazon, South America, the cloud forest in Africa. And so you get to see all different animals. Like this has the mountain gorilla, the golden monkey, the African forest elephant. So it's really cool. Cause then he's seeing animals. He hears how they sound. Like I said, we don't read a ton of the facts about each animal. Cause it's kind of a lot for him to handle at this age. And really, by the time we get through three of the forests, he's kind of done with it at that point because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's kind of long. The bamboo forest in China, there's Alaska, oh, India, the mangrove forest in India. So it's really cool because it's all around the world too. So it's not just things that are local. And then when you get to the very back, you can play all the sounds again. And then it talks to you about each of the forests again. Once again, another book that can grow with them, just kind of introduce them to animals and habitats from around the world. Mm -hmm. I love it because I think, you know, introducing your kids to habitats, that's a typical science topic in the elementary grades, but I love that they get to learn because they, that's what kids want to know when they learn a new habitat, they want to know what lives there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and I love that there's sounds. Oh, I love the multi-sensory aspect of that book. It's fantastic. 
So to kind of go along with learning about different habitats, I have a book called A World of Wonders. It's Geographic Travels in Verse and Rhyme. It's another poetry book. And it's a book that I've gone back to back and forth from first grade as I've taught up to fourth grade. And I think it'd be really helpful for even middle grades too, because it talks a lot about the planet Earth and interesting geographical features of the Earth. So as you're talking about the environment up to your kids, you want them to understand the planet that they live on. There's poems about like longitude and latitude, but it also has poems about like the San Andreas Fault and about Hawaii and how it was created. It talks about the earth as a whole. Again, that base knowledge is if you want your children to be champions of the earth, they need to understand the earth that they live on. And this really has a fun way to introduce the globe and some really interesting features of our planet. So the last two that I have are both little story type books. The one is Biscuit's Earth Day Celebration. I'm sure if you have little kids, you know Biscuit. I love Biscuit. (laughs) And I was just excited to find an Earth Day book for my son last year. So it's cute. They are having a big Earth Day celebration and it goes through their day and everything they do at the little girl's school and things that they make. And it's super cute. So that's a fun one. That's one that we kind of keep with our spring and Easter books. So it's out right now for my son as we get excited for Earth Day. And then the last one I have is Esther the Wonder Pig. This book is really cute. My son likes the back of it. <laughs> she uh... ha- all right, the back of it is the back of a pig, which yeah. if you can picture a, cur- a cute curly pink tail with a cape, yep. then yep. you're picturing the back of this book. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so oh my cute. gosh. So cute. the front is her cute little face and she has a little cape on a little crown. And this is a real story. So it's a true story. When you first open the page, you can see Esther in <gasps> the a bathtub. Real Esther. Yeah, she's a real. Oh, kids eat that. They love that. And she has an Instagram page and stuff like that. So you can follow her in all of her cuteness. She was adopted as a little piglet at the age of six weeks old. They were under the assumption that she was a micro pig, which... I don't know if you know this, but micro pigs technically don't exist when I did not know that. she grows and grows and grows and she keeps growing out of every bed that they have. So then they get her a mattress and now <laughs> she is, I'm trying to see if I can find where it says how big she is. She fits in the entire bathtub. <laughs> She's like destroyed the kitchen, trying to eat food everywhere. It's really cute. It's a cute story. So they move and she actually runs away and they can't find her. And then the neighbor calls and is like, I think this is your pig eating my apple tree. <laughs> and they go and get her. And it's so cute. All talks about no matter what she does, they look into her eyes and are so in love with her. And it's just love that the line it keeps repeating is, but when she looked up at us with those eyes and that smile, it was love i just found it so she ended up being a 600 pound pig oh my goodness <laughs> and that's why they ended up having to move so they had two dogs two cats and a 600 pound pig so they moved to oh. a big farm which this is wonderful too where they could not only have her but they could rescue more animals so then they had goats and chickens and all kinds of stuff a donkey a sheep and it's cute because it's a true story and i know a friend of mine just got i didn't know this but at christmas time they had a esther the wonder pig christmas book i'll have to get that one for my son now yeah it's really cute Yeah, that is something that people buy miniature pigs thinking that they're going to stay miniature and then they turn into a thousand pound pig. (laughs) 
I, <laughs> that entire culture is a little bit foreign to me. Yeah. I want a pig really badly. Not while we have three cats and a toddler, but I really want a pig. <laughs> well, good luck. We will visit. Yeah. I'm probably, They're I'm so not cute. one that's probably going to have a pig as a pet. Um, <laughs> Like I said, you can still follow them on Instagram and stuff. She is adorable as well. I'm as having a Charlotte's Web moment. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled pig. Yes. You know, the humble, I'm humbled by, she's 600 pounds. Yeah. Oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And they have more pictures of her in the back too. She's really cute. Here's one of her eating pizza. Oh, Esther. Oh, you have friends. Oh, she's friends with the pets. I know. Wow. (laughs) My kids would be completely amazed by her, as am I. So I have two books left as well. To go in with the wondrous Esther. (laughs) I have The Wondrous Workings of Planet Earth. It's a book that's literally called The Wondrous Workings of Planet Earth, Understanding Our World and Its Ecosystems. And it is by an incredible incredible illustrator and author. Her name is Rachel Ignofsky. I was introduced to with her work through a puzzle. So there's even puzzles that go with these books with her gorgeous artwork. And it talks about ecosystems and it just explains kind of like the book you had about forests that it explains the different styles of forests and the different animals that live in different forests of the planet. Her ecosystem books are incredibly detailed. This is going to be for your older kids. Okay. This is your middle school, junior high books. Um, the puzzles are incredible as well. Her artwork. She also has a women in science series and a women in science puzzle that I got for my daughter for Christmas. (laughs) So along with just, she has just women in science, which is, you know, a thing for me. And uh, so that's a really good one to have because you can have the books and then you can get the puzzles to go with it, which are fun. And my final recommendation, I saved my best for last. And I've read this book aloud twice to my students. And then we read the second in the series. If there's two in the series, I don't believe, I think he's working on a third or at least a movie I think is in the works Hmm. on this book as well, if I'm remembering it correctly. It's called The Wild Robot. It's by Peter Brown, an incredible author and illustrator. He illustrates the book as well. It's It's a very cool book because you can read this to your younger kids as a read aloud. I read this to eight, nine-year-olds and they were completely sucked in. I'm talking their favorite part of the day was when I was reading the next chapter of The Wild Robot for weeks. And then when it ended, there was a small depression in the class that (laughs) it was over and that the new one wasn't in stock yet at Amazon. I had pre-ordered it for months and I had kids asking me, we had a full countdown calendar when The Wild Robot Escapes, which is the second one in the series, when it was released and like, why I hadn't received it yet. Like, <laughs> Basically, it is a cool combination of nature and technology. So it's a really prominent book for the time, just that premise alone. It's about this robot named Roz. She wakes up and discovers that she is not alone on a remote wild island. She doesn't know how any idea how she got there or what her purpose is, but she knows that she has to survive and live. And so she basically learns wilderness survival skills as a robot because Part of her programming is she learns her environment. So she has to battle a violent storm. She escapes a vicious bear attack, which is kid-friendly, by the way, when you hear it's not violent in that way. (laughs) 
she realizes that her only hope for survival is to adapt to her surroundings and learn from the environment of the island that she lives on. She makes friends with animals. The island begins to feel like home until one day her mysterious past comes back to haunt her and she starts learning about where she came from. It's heartwarming. It's action-packed. It makes you really feel love for this AI, (laughs) I guess. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a very creative, lovely tale on the surface. It really speaks to the heart of living with nature and how nature and technology can work together. It's a very deep thought for children. That's why I said this is a really good read aloud to younger kids, but older kids would really read it and get some depth from it as well. All right. So we hope that you enjoyed hearing all these little book talks today. Our lists are available on the website on lovethegreenlife.org slash podcasts. In our podcast notes, you can see our full book lists for you to add to your wish list. If there are books that we didn't say, because I know there's a million, please Mm -hmm. tell us. This is something that we could totally do again and again with the books that we come across. And of course, as our children grow, grow older, this list was really geared towards school-aged, you know, young toddler to school-aged children. We also have an episode in the works for adult literature as well. So stay tuned for that episode. That's coming soon. So if you are someone that wants some more books just for you, we are really excited to prepare and get that episode ready for you as well. Thanks for listening to the show. We would love for you to follow us, leave a review, and share this podcast with your friends. Your support will help our nonprofit be able to do more good in the world. See you next time.